This is Attorney Vincent Davis, and you're on with Get Your Kids Back Now. It is Saturday. It's October 29th, 2016, and I'm broadcasting live this morning from Orange County. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives, or at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning, all. Um, today's show, I'm going to be talking about a couple different topics and, of course, taking calls from listeners who either would, are going to share their stories or ask us questions uh, that may be pertinent to everyone's case and in their battle with the DCFS and CPS. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is to tell a little story about a case that I'm involved in in um, Los Angeles County where a child has been removed from both the mother and the father. Um, I was hired by the father to present him in the juvenile case, and the mother, uh, on her own, uh, hired another attorney. Um, a, and by the way, a very fine attorney uh, to represent her. The case surrounds the fact that the child had a broken bone in the um, arm area, and uh, there was a report that, you know, this may have happened on the uh, playground. The social workers came in and they uh, took the child from the parents. Um, they're alleging that they caused this injury and they're also alleging uh, some type of medical neglect because the parents didn't take the child immediately to the hospital regarding this broken bone. The interesting fact is, is that this particular child does not talk. Um, he's a special needs child, and you know, it's very difficult for uh, him to communicate anything, uh, and uh, there was a broken bone. Initially, the child was placed in a foster home, and uh, by all reports from the parents during their visits, uh, he was getting very, very shoddy treatment at the foster home. Um, they reported to me several incidences of neglect, and if true, um, the child should have been removed or replaced. If this foster parent were a regular parent, the child would have been taken from him or her. But in this case, because of the foster care license, it seems sometimes that um, they get a break on how they're supposed to uh, treat or take care of children. Eventually, in the case, the uh, judge does the right thing in the case <clears throat> and um, releases the child to a relative. Uh, this relative had a relationship with the, with the child, and now the child's with a relative in a safe home. Now, this case is very interesting because um, the social worker initially reported that a medical professional said ABC, and this was definitely child abuse. 
And a police detective who was investigating this uh, also said the same thing. However, um, upon uh, independently interviewing these people, uh, the medical professional says, I never told the social worker that it was abuse. And we see these types of injuries uh, frequently uh, from playground accidents. It had been reported that at or around the time of the injury, uh, a school official uh, said that they had witnessed the child up on a playground uh, apparatus, you know, maybe three or four feet in the air, and that another child had pulled the child to the ground uh, from about three or four feet. And we believe that this perhaps led to the uh, injury, not anything physical uh, the parents had allegedly done. Uh, so that's an import, two important facts in the case that right now the judge doesn't know about and uh, the social workers aren't admitting to. We uh, showed up in court this week and um, we were had been ordered to attend what's called a mandatory settlement conference. And these types of settlement conferences are used in, in, in many types of cases in the uh, California Superior Court and we're in the Los Angeles County Superior Court of California. And so it's not unusual for you to be ordered to go to a mediate, excuse me, a mandatory settlement conference where a settlement judge who usually is uh, highly trained in mediating and taking care of cases uh, so that they don't have to go to trial. Um, so we showed up at this uh, mandatory settlement conference and unfortunately the mandatory settlement conference judge uh, had called in sick. Apparently there's some health issues going on and he wasn't there. This is where the important part of the case comes in, and I want to talk about this, <clears throat> because it was in, in off-the-record conversations uh, between the attorneys and the trial judge. Um, it seems that one of the allegations against the parents, or the subdivision alleged against the parent, 300E, did not apply in this case, but it was um, uh, pled by the county against the parents. Now, a subdivision E, you can um, Google this and read it for yourself. It's Welfare and Institutions Code Section 300E. And it's basically, you know, um, like a death penalty charge against a parent. Um, it seeks to take the child away and offer no family reunification services and to place the child permanently out of the parent's custody. So having an e-count alleged against you is a very big deal. And it also pertains to a type of injury um, where the parent's explanation for it uh, doesn't match. So uh, the burden shifts to the parents in trying to explain a certain type of injury, serious physical injury, and uh, when they can't, uh, they lose. Now, it was interesting. I, you know, had read the section, and I never thought that the E um, was a valid E. But when we went to the um, uh, the mediation at the mandatory settlement conference, the minor's attorney brought up on her own, and she's a very experienced minor's attorney. Um, I can't say that, you know, she and I see eye to eye over the years. She's been against me on many, many cases. But on this particular case, she um, brought up the fact 
that subdivision E, in her opinion, did not apply, and tried to explain it off the record to the other attorneys and to, you know, I had mentioned it to the trial judge. And, you know, um, I want to commend her for that because, uh, uh, to be honest with you, she was the last person I ever thought would bring that, that this particular thing up. But uh, for whatever reason, she was being fair and honest about her uh, opinion and her representation into uh, of the child in this case. So I, you know, I applaud her. Um, but anyway, the case is going to change significantly because now the county knows that they have to drop the E and the burden of proof is not on the parents. Now, they're alleging a subdivision A case and a subdivision B. You can Google that 300 uh, Welfare and Institutions Code, Section 300A and Section 300B. Um, but the county now has to prove that the parents did something to the child. And this is very, very important in these types of cases and in these types of trials. Who has the burden of proof? When I woke up that morning uh, and went to court, parents had the burden of proof that they're basically innocent, to prove that they're innocent. Now, the social worker has to prove that the parents did something wrong. And in my opinion, and in talking to the mother's attorney, uh, they don't have that evidence. They don't have any evidence that the father or the mother did anything to this child. This child does have an injury, but we plan on bringing forth witnesses, the first medical professional who examined this child, and, and also the police detective to say, no, this isn't you know physical abuse. It's not child abuse. It's something that happens, an injury that, that's common that we see on playgrounds. So I don't know um, if you remember when you were young or if you, have, you, you all have children, that when you go to school playgrounds or you go to the park, there are apparatuses that can be a little risky, can be a little dicey. And if you're on an, a bar apparatus three or four feet in the air and uh, somebody pulls you off of it like another child and you land the wrong way, you could hurt, you know, the child could hurt themselves, including breaking a bone. And this is what we believe happened in this case. So the moral of the story is, is that when you are um, charged with some type of abuse or neglect, <clears throat> make sure that you go over with your attorney each subdivision and have the attorney explain to you why that subdivision might apply to you. And the subdivisions, when you Google them, they're very, you know, I mean, they're written by lawyers for lawyers, but most of them are, are fairly straightforward and use plain English and most people will be able to understand them. So when you're um, uh, alleged to have committed some type of abuse, especially if it's a subdivision E, you want to make sure that you fall squarely within that subdivision. Otherwise, the county social worker uh, and their county council will have to drop that, and that can change the case significantly from a loss to a win. Right now, I'm going to take our first call. It's from area code 562, ending in 17. Yeah, hi. Good morning, you're Bob. On. Hi, Bob. How are you? Okay, okay. Um, I like to relate. Um, it's kind of a long story, and I think it will help a lot of the listeners. And uh, I really first want to appreciate the, the time and energy you put into these workshops that you have and so forth. So all you listeners out here, you've got a good person here for you. Uh, my case is going on 17 months now. 
our children have been taken away. We're a family of of um, three children and a mother and a father. And um, unfortunately, through uh, some situations led to the circumstances, um, we were caught up in something that uh, we should have got an attorney right at the beginning. And uh, well, if I know now, I would have done that. But our problem is, is that we were supposed to have a six-month hearing in December of 2015. And uh, it's been 17 months since our kids have been taken from us. And for the last 11 months, we've had uh, 11 rescheduled six-month hearings, and now it's supposed to be 12-month hearings. And uh, we, uh, our, our problem is, is that uh, uh, they have done 22 reports that her, every time you have a scheduled hearing, they'll do a report, and you get the report, and it's more gobbledygook. It's stuff that doesn't make sense or stuff there, and they've done nothing. We're told to be reunification. Instead of being reunification, is how can we prolong the case, and how can we take away the children? They want right now to have our kids adopted uh, in March 2017. And They've done every effort it is. It's like um, I was seeing my boys, and uh, we were seeing our children on a regular basis, and they were in a – this is in Orange County, and we were seeing them on a regular basis, and and it's worse now today than it was 11 months. And we're intelligent people. Um, We are educated, and – Everything was decided way back in September of 2015, and we completed everything that was asked by the case plan. Anything that was asked, we did. We jumped through hoops. We did everything with eagerness and so forth. And what has come down to the point is that they've gotten all this golly group for 11 months into the court, and, of course, we haven't had a chance to uh, go up to bat yet. We haven't had a chance to have our six-month hearing. And so... The strategies that we're trying to do and everything has been shifting to the point now where I'm really lost on, you know, how um, how can social services just constantly um, say and do the things with, um, you know, it's it's the stories. It's like every time you turn around, they'll come up with something that isn't true, but to put it into the court documents and say, like, it happens. We go to, back to the therapist and we tell the therapist, uh, did you say this? We show them in the, in the, the reports. He's in dental reports. He said, no, we didn't say that. I was misquoted. And, like, one therapist who was working with me for over a year, who's longer been with me for four or five months, and showed up so many times that now he doesn't even want to be a witness. He's so confused. He's relating other cases now. He can't even remember what's the other case. So one of my credible witnesses is now useless. Um, the uh, I have another witness that's going to show up again, but it's more of a character witness. And right now we're, we're talking about doing a strategy where the mother will move into another home away from the father. Which is which is hard to do because the problem is is that um, deep down inside the mother and father have been trying to work together, but this this eleven months of delay has now drawn the mother and father apart, and uh, it's it's uh, it, you're talking about to do this you know seventy five thousand dollars for a one year lease that we haven't even tried to even. Um, 
bring the father back to the, the boys. The boys want to come home. The girl we have a problem with. And so the family unit is is just gotten to the point where um, we we haven't. I mean, it's 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 so bad. I mean, simple things. It's just it's like we wanted to go to a football game, and we used to do that, and we we, we can't do that. We we're supposed to have visitations. Now they want to put you in a four sided room for your visitations with other families there, and these are older kids. They need to do the homework, the Wi Fi. And the facility is always saying that, oh, well, we're providing this, that. They haven't. They made it so restrictive. We've had meetings with our educators and have to meet with them. They look at us like we're strangers, look like this, that we're evil people. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've gone through and completed everything asked of the court. Uh, everything is asked, and they keep want to come up more. It's like a constant battle. And, and uh, we try to communicate with them and in a respectful way. And even our communication with them doesn't seem to work. It goes in one ear out the other ear. Management from the from the bottom all the way up to the top, uh, the whole system is 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 corrupt. I mean, it's just it's it's it is an agency that uh, is is from the top up, from top management, from the very top person to the very bottom person is very very corrupt. You got a person who's down in charge of us, who's only been in the system for four years as a social worker, who's barely like 25 years old, that's going to have this full knowledge of how to do a kid, and this person is so uh, disorientated and so things, so I don't know, I, I, it's it's like, I just, you know, we, we got this session set up for next, uh, we got court, the fantasy court on the uh, 1st of November, and uh, we're going to have to try 11 months of all this gobbledygook of paperwork and, and, and it's, it's like, it's, it's my bog and I'm just, I'm sitting here, uh, putting down a timeline. I'm trying to put down an outline. I'm trying to answer all these reports. Now that I found out you can answer the reports, it's just a tremendous amount of, of things coming down. And, um, <clears throat> I don't know, um, you know, for all you listeners out there, if you've ever had a situation where uh, you're just, you just you, you you do everything right, and because you're older in life, because unfortunately uh, you, you you lose a job and you can't get a job, and then you're penalized. And and I'm only penalized in the sense that um, um, financially, if I had the money, I wouldn't have been in the situation I was in the first place. And uh, because I didn't have money. They're hammering you, and it's like a vendetta. It's like it's a, it, is a, it is a vendetta. There's been nothing put in any of the reports as positive. Um, they, they make up things, and they take it away. And, and we've tried uh, conjoint uh, therapy with my wife's therapist. We've done conjoint therapy with a marriage therapist, and we did our own. That's been completed. Um, you know, we are doing things beyond, and now they want us to suddenly take a uh, focus course. They're now throwing something that one of the child's therapists says we need to take an in-focus course that has nothing to do with what the alleged charges were, but suddenly now there's more uh, charges coming out, or not more charges, but they're bringing up more things that never did even happen. I mean, they're just they're just going wild because they're letting um, our children, one child, to control the whole situation. She's in the driver's seat and she um, knows that she can say or do whatever she wants and that uh, she could uh, 
uh, get away with it. There's been no encouragement by people saying, you know, like family members, you know, you need to love your mother and father. You need to work things out. There's nothing that's ever being put in the kids. And you can't even, they're so sensitive, you can't even tell them that you love them. You can't even hug them. They got to the point now where they've been told to put their hands down to the side, not even hug them. There is inhuman treatment. It's, it's, I feel like I'm in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, a society of a concentration camp, and uh, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. It's, it's, it's becoming so imaginable, and we haven't even got up to bat. Uh, you know, um, uh, uh, the attorneys that I have is the top-notch attorney, and uh, we've already, uh, we're, uh, we haven't got to, we haven't got to bat, and I've already invested over $25,000 into this case, and I haven't, I mean, I'm worse today than when it was started with him back in March. Um, I, I, I don't need, it's, it's like I've seen my two boys once in, 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 in nine weeks. And I was seeing them, you know, every, it started out where I was seeing them all the time. And it's like, it's because the system gets more restrictive. The more they move the children, they say it's less restrictive, but that's not the case. They're in with now uh, caregiving families that are not open to other kids, just our kids, that broke our family apart. Our daughters with one family and our two sons are with the other family. So now they've done exactly what they want to do from day one. They don't keep the family unit together, which they were at a, at a place. Uh, we had to go through unbelievable treatment at this facility. They have a facility that they've outsourced to, and this facility puts you in the garage in the, like 90 degrees, 100 degrees in the summer with no air conditioning, and you sit there, and the only thing they give you is a TV. We can't go outside at times to play. It's supposed to be supervision. Instead, it's been monitored visits. One minute in supervision, then monitored back and forth. And the way supervision was is that as long as they keep in sight, you can have a chance to bond with your child. How can you bond with a person with their arms folded that's six inches from you? My one visit with my boys uh, at at uh, a library is that this new supervisor who is doing a monitor and he sit there and try to explain to her and then the social worker says, well, that's what it is. I said, no, the court says supervise. He didn't say monitor. And so this person sitting six inches from you, staring you with your arms closed. And at the top of that, I'm not trying to be hypocritical, but this person is so overweight. You know, our kids have gained weight. Our kids have gained close to maybe 70, 80 pounds since they've been with the social services. And they feed them the wrong kind of food. Uh, and they, and they, what they do is they, they, they do crazy things. It's like they have a thing called CASA. And this CASA person let our minor child, our daughter, have a smartphone, not a cell phone, a smartphone, with no supervision and, 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 and just let her just go with the phone that she can be picked up, she can be, get into any adult site, she can be uh, free to do whatever she wants. And she's given this tool that we said to her growing up, like we did with our son, that if you get good grades and when you get to high school, we'll get you a phone, but we're going to supervise the phone. We're not letting you have a free phone. She now has a phone that she can get into drugs and get into everything else. I mean, it's a gateway. And it's like, there's no supervision. Um, uh, her grade right now, she had good grades, A's and B's. She has now an F in math. We're already into going into November, and we found this out because, again, we're now told we can't get into the children's um, uh, websites. We used to be able to go into what's 
you know, they have these school loops, Harris, Blackboard, and we could help our kids. We could go communicate with eBay. Now we're restricted because they said the parents that the kids are with are showing up in there, and we can't have access to names. We already know who they are. It's, 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 it's no rocket scientist. You know, one of us is a family member. So this whole thing is, is, is just everywhere we turn, it's a constant battle, and they get away with it. There's nothing that stops them. There's nothing, they've not been sanctioned. They've not been, you know, and it's like, it's it's now to the point where I don't know how it's going to happen if it does happen on November 1st. I've even seen my, my, my children, and my wife and I are so far apart now. It's being driven apart. Now it's talked about move the mother into the house, another house. Pay $75,000, a one-year lease, to, to do that for them. That's invested. Well, the mother and father are now getting further apart. Would anyone out there want to invest, you know, this this money that my parents had to die so I can have access to the money and use it all up, and a year later, I'm out of money right now. It's really frustrating because I've worked since I was 15 years old, and I've worked for, you know, I'm 67 now. And just because I lose my job, and because of my age, you know, they don't want to hire you, and if they hire you, they don't want to pay you anything. And then it's like you have a tremendous resume. This, you know, the, 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 one of the people, my coworkers, a guy that's known me for probably 30 years, that have done all this work and have all these accolades. And, and my projects are all over Orange County and L.A. County. You can see all the, the projects that I've built. You can see how the Port of L.A. and the Port of Long Beach all the double work, all the bills of the container shipping, all the asphalt. You can look down at Hollywood Boulevard and see all the beautiful artwork, sidewalks, the streets, all the work that I've done on that. I've done that on, on numerous cities with their streetscapes and so forth. I've done Santa Monica Boulevard, you know, the, the, the freeways. I've done, you know, everywhere I work. So I've worked hard and, uh, you know, the, the state of California bankrupt, the same state of California that, that bankrupt all they couldn't pay the public jobs that were awarded to me. I had so much work awarded to me, and I had a great job. Because lose it, then you try to get work, and they say, well, we bring you aboard, you're too old, and you're going to cost too much insurance, and we can get a, a 20-year-old person that can do your same job and pay them 10 bucks an hour. And it's, 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 just, it's just ludicrous, and I've tried to go into other things. I've never turned down a job. I had a job from a guy that was in trouble in the jail, and I was putting in hardwood floors, the six or seven, on my knees, you know, day after day, and he's paying me uh, less than $8 an hour. And don't tell me I haven't taken any work. I have taken work. I've done jobs, and I'm willing to do everything. I mean, I've been meeting with realtors for the past five weeks, long before I was even thinking about this new strategy and, and uh, I got an application so already been filled out and been on top of this long before it's even brought into the strategy program because I'm thinking about how my wife, you know, something's going to have to happen to her. And what's so hard about it is that she has a lot of medical problems and, and the thing they don't seem to understand is that it's if we're together, they're going to give the kids back. If they were not together, no matter how beautiful the place looks or how much the Taj Mahal is or anything is, they're not going to do it because there's issues. There's a 730 evaluation that has been talked about that was done way back in September that was atrocious thing. It wasn't even, hasn't been talked in six-month hearing. That's a real critical thing there the judge had asked to have done. There's, there's, there's other issues that haven't even been talked about, and I... I just, to be honest with you, 
I am just completely, uh, I've spent this whole weekend, and I spend every day, I write emails and emails and emails. I write so much. It's like I spend probably out of my day, six hours a day on average, every day, just trying to write these things about, think about being very respectful, very respectful to everybody. I'm like walking on pin cushions, not to offend anybody, but I, I tell how it is in a polite way, and they're very respectful. And again, it's just a simple thing. Like getting a bike return is me now being accused that the bike never existed or anything else. This is the stupidest thing. They just they get upset about the little things. And, you know, a daughter doesn't want the bike because the dad brought the bike over for the kids to use. Then so 11 months later, oh, we don't know anything about bikes. What bike are you talking about? Or are you making up the bike? And this will go on and on and on. And it's like, uh, I, 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 I just really, I just, just, I don't know how the strategy is going to work, and I don't know if you got any suggestions or if the other readers have a similar situation because it's, it's, it's hard. It's a complex, hard case. It really is. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, what I will do is uh, we will take some further calls this morning and perhaps somebody wants to share their story and maybe they have had, you know, the same uh, experiences that you've had uh, down in the Orange County Courthouse. Thank you again for calling. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to take another call right now from area code 760 Ending in two six. Good morning. You're Hello? on with Attorney Vince Davis. Good morning, sir. How Good are morning. You? Good. Have a lot um, of background. Are you driving? I am. Um, can you hear me? I can, can hear me now. There's a lot of background noise. Yeah, I can hear Let you better. Oh, still a lot of background. Let me pull over real quick. All right. Good morning. Did you have a question to ask or, an, or a story to share? Um, both. Um, my kids were taken from their mother. Um, I found out about it two months after they were already in foster care. Um, I came in and tried to... ...DUIs. Sir, I'm having a difficult time hearing you right now. How about now? Can you hear me? Perfectly. Okay, sorry. Um, So I had two DUIs, and I had domestic violence with the mother. Um, So I went in to get my... went in to try and get my kids out of the system, and they wanted me to take a bunch of classes and whatnot. Um, I ended up going into an inpatient program and I did a 90-day program. Um, my case has been going on for almost six years now. And, um, yeah, I just I just now, phone call from the um, social worker, she said she talked to her supervisor, and they said that if I filed a 388 that they would give the kids back to me. Um, I'm just... Needing to know how to file a 388, really. So you want help filing a 388? Um, yes. 
guess I kind of started telling okay. the story and then jumped to that. <laughs> okay, so um, do you have a court-appointed attorney or a private attorney? Um, I had a court-appointed attorney. Oh, yeah, the case is closed right now. Sorry. Um, oh, the case the is closed. Given, guardianship was given to the self-star to the foster parent. Okay, but now the social worker is telling you she'll return the children to you? Yes. Okay, do you know why? Um, because I I haven't missed a visit in two years, in three years. Um, I got work. Um, I, I live in Las Vegas now. I have a sheriff's car that lets me work around kids. Um, I... I don't know why. She just said that everything is positive from the foster dad and um, from my kids, everything's positive and everything. What county is your case in? Um, it was in Los Angeles County and then it was transferred to San Bernardino County. So the social worker that contacted you is from San Bernardino County? Yeah. Okay, so what you uh, uh, need to do is you need to um, go online to Google and type in uh, this word, JV180, JV180, and that will bring up the document that, you, that the form that is used in California to file a 388 petition. It's called a JV-180. Most of it, most of it is information that you can fill out yourself. However, there is information and the forms should be reviewed by an attorney. So what I would suggest you do is you try to fill out the form and then call me at my office, and I'll just go over the JV-180 with you and uh, give you instructions on how, what should be, you know, prepared and uh, help you get it filed with the court. And once it's filed, you'll get a um, court date, and uh, you can go to court where, where you know, my office is uh, frequently in, you know, maybe four, three or four days a week, we're frequently in the uh, San Bernardino Juvenile Court over there on Gilbert Street. And, you know, perhaps we'll be able to assist you. If you get a pen and a piece of paper, I'll give you my office number that you can call when you uh, have filled, pulled up and partially filled out your JV-180. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready, Okay, you want to call triple eight, triple eight, six five eight two. That's eight eight eight. I'm sorry. Eight 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 six five eight two. Yes, sir. All right, thank you. So, if you do that this weekend, and perhaps you can call me on Monday, and we can get help you get that rolling. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much, and thank you for calling.
that's a that was an interesting call um that occasionally happens and and you know i've heard i hear about this maybe two three times a year children are placed out of the care of the parent uh and something like in this case a uh, guardianship by the uh, foster parents and now several years later uh, the social worker is recommending that the children uh, be returned to the father so good for him uh, he's a very lucky individual I'm going to take another call right now from uh, area code 808 ending in 42 good morning Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. I don't know how many questions. Hello, ma'am. We have a very bad connection. I guess we having we're having some technical difficulties there. And, uh, ma'am, if you can hear me, please try to call back in. Okay, right now, um, well, we had sent out a, uh, an email uh, publicizing the show, and the email indicates that uh, we were going to talk about uh, something called the Indian Child Welfare Act, otherwise known as ICWA. This particular federal law um, is something that's very important in most parts of the country, especially here in California. And what this federal law says is that basically, if you have American Indian heritage, the juvenile court and the social workers have to treat your case, your case differently. And it's a significant difference. So at the very first hearing and in the very first contact with a social worker, um, you're going to be asked if you have American Indian heritage. Now, if you weren't asked and there is American Indian heritage, this is something that must be brought up to your attorney immediately and to the social worker. Extremely, extremely important. I'm going to tell you a short story about a case that I was tangentially involved in uh, that took place in Ventura County. A case is filed against the mother and father, and I believe the allegations were drug abuse and domestic violence. At the very first hearing, the judge asked the right question. Folks, do you have any American Indian ancestry? They both answered in the affirmative. Both the mother and father had American Indian ancestry. However, for some reason, the county council stood up and said something to the effect, um, I, I don't believe they have American Indian ancestry. Well, the parents had answered, yes, we do have American Indian ancestry. We're from a tribe in Alaska. Apparently, county council stood up and said something to the effect, well, you know, those aren't real Indians. 
you know, something to that effect, something bizarre. And for whatever reason, the judge agreed with the county council, and he ruled that there was no American Indian ancestry. So the case proceeds on, and I believe um, they do they do the jurisdictional hearing, they do the dispositional hearing, they do the first six-month review, and I don't know if there was a second six-month review, but they finished out the reviews and they terminate family reunification services to the parents months later, and they then terminate the parental rights of the parents. Well, luckily, the case, the parents decided to appeal the termination. And here's the lucky part. They got assigned a court-appointed appellate attorney who happens to be American Indian. Uh, he himself, I believe, grew up on a on the Indian reservation, I think in Arizona. And, um, you know, I, and I even believe he's full-blooded American Indian. To make a long story short, he realized the mistake that had been made with respect to the ICWA findings. He made some motions, and what happened was that since ICWA, the American, uh, the Indian Child Welfare Act, was not complied with, the Court of Appeals uh, threw out or caused to be thrown out everything that happened in the case. The case had to be started all over again because the social worker and the juvenile court must comply with ICWA. And one of the first things that they have to do is they have to notice the tribe. Particular case in Ventura, nobody was ever noticed up in Alaska from the tribe because remember the county council said at the first hearing, those aren't real American Indians. And uh, so the case is thrown out. Well, by this time, the mother, I believe, had done everything, her counseling, her testing, everything. And they were forced to give the children back to the mother. Now, this was after the mother had lost her parental rights and the foster parents were moving forward to adopt the children. So that is how important ICWA is. So if you have any type of American Indian ancestry, you need to let your attorney and the social worker know immediately and make sure that the judge is, you know, that this is found out by the judge. Because again, there are special, special laws that apply. And uh, they um, are more, interestingly enough, there are more protection in ICWA cases than there are in um regular cases of, with people who do not have American Indian ancestry. Now, I said if you have American Indian ancestry, let people know, and that's what I mean. A lot of people say, well, I have American Indian ancestry, but we're not registered with the tribe. It doesn't matter if your family is registered with the tribe. It doesn't matter at all. Um, I'm involved in a case now where my client does have American Indian ancestry and the social workers never notified the tribe. And I took over the case, you know, long after 
the beginning of the case. But one of the things that we're going to be doing late in the case, and they're trying to terminate my client's family reunification services, is we're going to make a motion to set aside everything because ICL wasn't applied at the very, or wasn't um, complied with at the very beginning of the case. So if you find yourself in that position, please let your attorney know uh, and the social note worker know, both in writing via email if you can, uh, you know, was not complied with or that you do have American Indian ancestry. So once you say that you have American Indian ancestry, the social worker has to go and investigate, find out what tribe you might be with, you know. And in a lot of cases, you know, people told me, hey, I have American Indian ancestry. My great-grandmother told me that. And so, you know, then the social worker has to go on the uh, the search for the great-grandmother or other relatives that might live in another state and find out if they really do have American Indian ancestry. And if they do, the tribe has to be noticed. In a lot of cases, um, the, once the tribe is noticed, the tribe declines to get involved in the case for a variety of different reasons. Uh, but in a lot of cases, the tribe says, hey, we want to get involved with it, with this child, and we expect ICWA, uh, the Indian Child Welfare Act, to be complied with in dealing with the case. And most counties have social workers or uh, groups of social workers who specialize in these ICWA cases because it is so highly specialized and so many things are done differently um, that you know not all social workers are properly trained in handling ICWA cases. But the mere fact that the social worker did not notice the tribe properly at the beginning of the case could be grounds that the entire case can be thrown out. So it's an important issue that everyone should uh, pay attention with, pay attention to and try to speak to uh, their attorney and the social worker uh, uh, about this ICWA issue. Um, I wanted to also talk today about um, your first juvenile dependency hearing. Uh, let's assume that you know the social worker has been investigating your case, or there was some emergency, and all of a sudden the social worker <clears throat> shows up at your front door with the police, and they take your children into custody. And then you're told that you have a hearing within the next 48 to 72 hours. One of the things I want you to know that's provided by law is that within 24 hours, the social worker has to arrange telephonic visit or visit with the child. In a lot of counties, that's never done. As a matter of fact, a lot of counties take the position that there's not going to be a visit because we don't want the child to be influenced by the family or by the parents regarding the allegations that the social workers are bringing forth against the parents or the family. <clears throat> From my reading of the California Welfare and Institutions Code, that's illegal. But the thing is, is that nobody ever does it. Or, excuse me, nobody, it's rarely done. Uh, to my surprise, uh, on the last case I was, on a case I'm involved with now, <clears throat> they detained the children and within the 24-hour period, uh, the social worker was arranging visitation for the parents. 
uh, and that's what the social worker is supposed to do. And I was just kind of surprised because they rarely, if ever, do it. I don't know if it's because of the allegations they don't want discussed. I don't know if it's because it takes a lot of time and effort to set up visitation, especially if children are in a foster home and the foster parent, you know, really does may not want to be, you know, involved in the visitation. A lot of different hurdles. But I'm looking for people uh, who are whose children have been detained and they never got that visit or that phone call within 24 hours. Um, and the reason why I'm looking for people uh, that have suffered that particular injury is as that I'm thinking of bringing a, a lawsuit, perhaps a class action lawsuit, uh, the counties uh, implement uh, the law that's on the books. Uh, because so many times children when they're detained, they're put in strange foster homes. And just can't, can you imagine, you know, you're five years old, you're in a strange foster home, you don't know these people, and you can't even talk to your family. Can you imagine the emotional trauma that you must, as a child, be um, suffering? And even with the parents, can you, emotion, can you imagine the emotional trauma? Uh, your child's just been taken, and within the first 24 hours, you don't even know where the child is. Under current California law, um, the ch the foster parent's uh, address uh, is deemed confidential, um, and that has been done uh, under the guise of protecting foster parents and protecting their privacy. Um, and I guess in some cases it's you know it's a good thing, but in a lot of cases it's not a good thing because parents don't even know where their children are, the relatives don't even know where their children are. So if, the, if you're a listener and this has happened to you, I would like you to give me uh, a call today. Uh, my office is open today. You can leave a message just for me that, you know, this particular situation has happened to you. And you can call me at 888-888-6582. Now, I also wanted to talk to you about this first hearing um, because sometimes they're done extremely fast and a lot of things aren't covered that should be covered because of time and uh, the amount of work it may take to do one of these hearings properly. So we're going to show up to the court for what's called the arraignment detention hearing. Um, in recent years, it's just referred to as the detention hearing, but it is actually your arraignment on the petition and the judge is going to decide where the child's going to stay pending the next court hearing. Uh, the judge is also going to cover, uh, you know, the parentage aspects of the case, the ICWA as aspects of the case, if there are any, the Indian Child Welfare Act, and also, you know, give you some warnings about the case. But what enough time is not spent on in these um, cases, and I've been guilty of this myself, is the detention issue. Um, there are a lot of things that uh, the, that the parents can do or their attorney can do um, that is not done. For example, the social worker is going to file a report called the detention report, which is going to uh, support his or her opinion that the children should remain out of the custody of the parents, at least temporarily. 
And the social worker has to show that there is a substantial risk to the children. What a lot of people, well, most attorneys know this, but I, I get the impression that they, they don't tell their, their clients this, is that you are entitled to cross-examine the social worker. So in a lot of counties, the social worker who wrote the report is present in court and available to be cross-examined but they're not. In Los Angeles County, the social worker who wrote the detention report is rarely in the courtroom. And if you want to cross-examine the social worker, sometimes the judge orders the social worker to be present in the afternoon or they continue it uh, one day or sometimes two days to um, bring the social worker in so that he or she can be cross-examined on a report. Now, this is particularly important in a lot of cases because in a lot of cases, not necessarily will the social worker um, uh, being cross-examined uh, change her story. Sometimes they will. But it's important because at the time of trial, uh, you might be able to get this testimony and use this testimony against the social worker. So you can sometimes lock the social worker into a position early on in the case, and that, and that, and that position could be detrimental to her uh, long-run uh, position and strategy in the case against you. So it's important that you and your attorney should consider uh, whether you want to cross-examine the social worker at the beginning of the case. The other thing that you should know is, is that right from the beginning of the case, you have the right to have what's called a no time waiver trial. And this is rarely done. And I've always gotten the impression that a lot of judges, not all, but a lot of judges and uh, attorneys frown on this. Now, it's akin to you know a criminal case where you you have the right to have a trial within so many days. And in juvenile court, you have the right to have a trial within 15 court days. So a lot of times, cases are continued beyond the 15 court days. And there's a variety of reasons why that happens. Um, but you are entitled to have that trial. Now, in a lot of cases, it may not be the best strategy for you to have a case or a trial within 15 court days. But in a lot of cases, it might be to your advantage to have that no time waiver trial. In large counties, and in most counties, but in, especially in large counties like Los Angeles, it's hard for the social workers and the uh, county council to get prepared to have a trial within 15 court days, generally because the workload is so high. They have so many cases. You know, you could go to a juvenile court in Los Angeles, and it's not unusual for them to have 30, 35 cases on their calendar per day, and, you know, additionally one, two, or three brand new cases coming into their system or into their courtroom. So, you know, the courts start at, or are supposed to start at 8.30. They take a break at noon until 1.30, and they have a 
court from 1.30 to 4.30, and generally speaking, most counties and most courts are closed at 4.30 by the sheriffs of the county for um, security reasons. So the sheriff shuts, usually shuts down the courthouse and the courtrooms at 4.30. Well, um, so there's, you know, that's not a lot of time to do 30 cases, cases. Um, of which, you know, there may be one or two or maybe three cases that are set for trial. So a lot of times, you know, I'll go to a courtroom, L.A. County, Orange County, um, you know, they may have two, three cases on calendar who are going to trial. Now, a judge can only do one case at a time. So, um, you know, a lot of times cases get continued because of other cases they're, they're in trial. Um, I appeared in a case a couple weeks ago in Orange County uh, that was supposed to start at trial, but the judge was already engaged in an ongoing trial that had spilled over for another from another day. So the case had to be continued again. Uh, so, But if you ask for a no-time waiver trial at the beginning, and you can only do this at the beginning of the case, um, your case has priority. So the case either has to go to trial on that day or to be assigned to another judge in the courthouse where your case can go to trial that day. So that's something that you want to um, talk to your attorney about. Um, someone asked me one time, well, why wouldn't it be in my um, best interest to have a continuance or beyond, go beyond the uh, no time waiver deadline? And the reason is, is that it might affect you or it might be better for you. So, for example, let's say you uh, are accused of being a drug addict. And uh, if you uh, go to get yourself enrolled in drug testing right away and you can show the judge that you've tested, you know, for eight weeks with no dirty tests, uh, that will go a long way in helping you defeat the allegation by the social worker that you are a drug addict and can't take care of your children. Uh, so that's something, you know, these are things that you have to strategize with your court of private attorney um, before you pick that date. The other thing that you should know about the first court date, the arraignment detention hearing, is that from the very beginning, if your children are not placed with relatives, you have to stress and request that these children are being, that the social worker investigate. So everyone listening, I want you to Google Welfare and Institutions Code Section 309. Uh, this uh, particular law is not enforced enough and not followed enough by the social workers. And the judge is not going to follow it unless you and your attorney bring it up. And, and 309 says that basically children who were taken from the parents uh, must be placed with relatives. And it's not like an optional thing. And I get the impression sometimes that some judges believe that this is optional and the social worker has discretion. In my opinion, it's not. And it's very clear in Section 309. And there is a corollary California rule of court. I forget the number, but you can Google it. Um, that tells the social worker and the judge what should be done. We're running out of time this morning. Um, uh, we'll see you next week on the radio where we will be talking more about suing social workers. So have a good weekend. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.